Jack Gantz is the co-founder of two iconic Australian retailing brands, Chemist Warehouse and My Chemist. Even as some media commentators are saying retail is dead, Chemist Warehouse is opening 40 stores a year, each one taking just 10 days to set up and budgeted to turn over $10 million per annum each. Jack really is Australian retailing royalty. Let's go and find out how he's done it. Hey, before we immerse ourselves in episode 381 of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, the marketing gold is made possible thanks to Dragon Speech Recognition Software and 52ways.biz. Dragon's amazing. It converts whatever you say into text. You download the software, start talking, and your words appear on your screen. It's like magic. Which means you can create documents, blog posts, emails, reports, and spreadsheets in a third the time because we speak three times faster than we write. You can get an exclusive 35% off. That's a listener discount just for small business, big marketing folk over at getdragon.com.au. We're also made possible thanks to Dale Beaumont's 52 Ways live event that's touring Australia and New Zealand in 2018. Yes, folks, 2018 dates have just been released you have no excuses. You must go. It is so good. It's one very full day where Dale hands you on a platter 52 ways to grow your business. Grab your free tickets for you and some colleagues now over at 52, that's 52ways.biz. I said, welcome to a small business marketing show Where successful small business owners share their souls To take your marketing straight to the lead Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Bowie And welcome back to the Small Business Big Marketing Show Australia's number one marketing podcast I'm your host, Tim Reed. You infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Big show today, Jack Gantz, co-founder of Australia's biggest retail pharmacy brands, Chemist Warehouse and My Chemist, joins us. What a treat that is. I share a no-cost marketing idea that involves a little marketing magic, and we revisit a recent episode in which you and I caught up with Peter Hitchener, Australia's number one TV newsreader, who's also nailing social media at the ripe old age of 71. Hey, as per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Thanks for all the great feedback from last week's episode in which search engine optimization legend, there's no other word for him, Rand Fishkin, gave us a masterclass in how to get your website content, specifically podcast show notes, but it also applied to blog posts and just web pages, ranking on page one of Google. I knew you'd love it, and the feedback has been unanimous that he is just really, really good. Rand has the ability to make the complicated very simple, and you know I love people who do that. I know I said I'd continue that discussion with my ideas around off-page SEO, 
in this week's episode. However, I have just got permission to run with some interviews I've been sitting on for a few weeks. So I'm going to run with the first one of those this week and we'll finish the SEO chat next week. Cool? Cool. So the three interviews I'll be sharing with you over the coming weeks are with extremely successful and wealthy business owners, people who really have built empires. The interviews were done in front of a live audience at an event I emceed for Urban Intelligence, which is a Melbourne-based technology company. So to our first guest, Jack Gantz qualified as a pharmacist in 1967, and alongside his brother, the pair purchased their first pharmacy around that time. In the 70s and 80s, love the 80s, the Gantz brothers established the iconic Laspex, Latan and Australis brands before selling them in order to build their pharmacy empire, which is now worth well in excess of a billion dollars thanks to the iconic My Chemist brand with 60 stores nationally and Chemist Warehouse with 350 stores nationally and growing with a bullet. Jack's personal net worth? Well, it was reported in 2016's BRW Top Rich 200 list at a lazy $391 million. I know where my hammock could be if I had that much money. He is a stalwart of the Australian retail landscape, and he's also the founder of the Family Business Association of Australia, of which he's very passionate. Please put your hands together for Mr. Jack Gantz, and as you do, remember... He was a small business owner once. Now, Jack, you started in pharmacy 40 years ago, but you very, very quickly decided to import Latan, Laspex and Australis. Was pharmacy not enough? Um, I I enjoyed the academic aspects of pharmacy, but I didn't really enjoy the the business aspects of working inside the the pharmacy. I wanted something a bit more of a challenge. Very entrepreneurial back then. When I don't think the before I knew entrepreneurship. (coughs) I don't think it existed, did it? It If it did, it was a dirty word. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it is in some cases. Yeah. But uh, what's the definition of entrepreneurship? I knew you'd ask me that. (laughs) I don't know, Jack. What is it? Well, most people think that it's someone that uh, that takes a risk. But in fact, an entrepreneur doesn't take a risk. An entrepreneur, in fact, uh, mitigates the risk and does things in a way that, uh, that, that, that makes sure that they don't have, well, have as little risk as possible. I think that's the difference between entrepreneurs and um, mm-hmm. tr- r- true entrepreneurs. A true entrepreneur doesn't take risks. Unusual question. What did your parents think back then? Because, they, you know, you've studied hard, you've gone to... You've qualified as My a pharmacist. My parents wanted me to, wanted me to be, be a doctor. There you go. <laughs> they weren't happy, right? Well, it was the second choice. <laughs> I'm just looking around the room. I, I don't think there'd be anyone who doesn't know Australis, Latan and Laspex. Just put your hand up if you're young enough to not know. Oh, yeah, actually, there would be. There you go. Sure, yeah. Okay. Like, these were iconic, iconic Australian brands. Why? How? Well, it was... Um, I, I guess it started uh, with a, an urge to do something a bit different, uh, a, to have a business challenge. Um... And we, we, uh, we had pharmacies, we had two pharmacies, and uh, we started importing sunglasses for our own stores. And um, we um, uh, decided to use, uh, I, I guess, the um, strategic advantage we had, which is being a pharmacist, of selling sunglasses to other pharmacies. 
I think when I spoke to you, I said that um, if you're in business, you should always look for a strategic advantage. Mm -hmm. There's no point getting involved in, in any business venture where you don't have a strategic advantage. Because if you do, two people without a strategic advantage end up with bloody noses when they're fighting each other. So um, there must have been three, four hundred people selling sunglasses to pharmacy. Um, but we had the unique point of difference, which was that I was a pharmacist and I was selling to my fellow pharmacists. And that's how we started. And that gave us the distribution. So, so your strategic advantage with those three brands was the fact that you and your no, brother... No, before we started, with, before, we, before we developed the specs, we sold basic, very basic sunglasses on a price point. Mm -hmm. um, but we sold on the basis that we were fellow pharmacists. Why buy from the multinationals? Mm -hmm. Buy from us. Because we can provide you the same product at a much better margin for yourself. And they believed us because we are, that's the way that... You were part of them. That's right, we're part of, the, part of them. Would it be too simplistic to say, and I, I, can, re, I can remember the Latan commercial because right. it, it was a lovely lady in a bikini sitting on the sunglasses. No, that was Le Specs, Specs right? yeah. But would it be too simplistic to say that the advertising campaigns that supported these brands are a, large, a major reason why they became iconic? Well, I think it was, it was a matter of a number of things. Firstly, it was the product itself. Um, I mean... Up until about 1978, um, we were gradually growing our market share in sunglasses to, our, to, to other pharmacies. And it wasn't until uh, 1979 we were in a, a trade show in Paris and uh, my wife Evelyn saw a uh, pair of sunglasses in the back of the stand that was quite different and it had a feather hanging off it. And we said to the guy, what's this? And he said, this is a new unbreakable product. So we brought it back and uh, went to an advertising agency and we said, we can't afford to pay for advertising, but we want to advertise. And I read a book by John Singleton that talked about contra-advertising. And we said, um, we want to do this on a contra-advertising basis. And um, so they designed the, the advertising campaign. They designed the... Um, they actually gave it the name of the specs. Oh, they did. And they produced the, uh, the point of sale and the TV campaign. And that's what really got us from a point of where we had about 10% market share to about 30% overnight. Because the campaign was so fantastic and the product was quite, was so unique and different. But like an entrepreneur, we didn't spend half a million dollars on, on TV advertising. We did on the basis that we paid so much per pair that was sold. Mm -hmm. And that's what gave us the start. It was a pretty good deal at the time. Mm -hmm. It was a very good deal. And they did well and we did <laughs> they well. They would have done very yeah, well. Yeah, they did well and we did well. And the, the same goes for Latan and Australis? Well, after the first year, we were able to look at the market and we said... Uh, well, first of all, there was no national TV station. We did this in Victoria initially. So to do it nationally, we would have had to have done deals with every state. It would have been too complicated. Mm -hmm. And we knew that it was going to be successful, so we are prepared to put our money behind it. But the initial year where we didn't know, we didn't risk anything. You sold those three brands in 1991? 91, yeah. Why? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, is, I that, guess, is that a size? I wish I hadn't have. Or well, I mean, I mean, you know, sometimes I, I, I wish I hadn't. Um, but we, we got enough we couldn't refuse. And at that stage, um, you know, the bigger you get, the more debt you have, the more risk you have. Uh, we had a product that was French. There was the French <coughs> nuclear uh, testing. And we thought if there's, you know, if they ban French products, um, what's going to happen? Um, so we, 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 we t you know, I, I guess, yeah, my kids weren't very happy. Um, Evelyn wasn't very, wasn't particularly happy either. But 
when, when someone makes an offer that you can't refuse, you mm -hmm. can't, refuse. can't refuse. So we sold it, and um, uh, it was a bittersweet uh, situation. But now, I mean, given what's happened since then, uh, copies of all those different products are, mm. are rife. Well, there was copies back then, but, uh, yeah. Right. Not as much. No, well, not as much, anyway. So we, we, sold, we, sold, uh, we sold the brand, uh, we sold the, 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 the company, and we had 35 stores at the time. I went back and did an MBA. Um, and uh, then we developed, uh, developed My Chemist, and Chemist Warehouse was developed in 2000. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Does anyone else have a fetish about going to chemists? I love going to, my, to a chemist warehouse. Yeah, there's a lady. It's weird. I just thought I was the only one. Is it just the two of us, or is there a room full of people who like going to chemist warehouse? Anyone not shop at our stores? <laughs> do, you a, do you have a name for that? <laughs> What's that? That, that feeling of, go I just love going to chemist warehouse. It's un very unusual. It's a I'm unique just... experience, <laughs> I think. You know, I mean, when, <laughs> when we developed chemist warehouse, we weren't really sure... Um, whether it was going to work because we, we took a big big punt. Um, I know entrepreneurs don't normally take risks, or at least true entrepreneurs don't, but we had, we had about, that stage, about 35 stores and we figured that we can try and we can, we can try this model where we give a big discount, have big volumes, have big stores and try to reduce the overall cost of operating the business. The two biggest costs in a pharmacy or any business is wages and rent. And um, we took second, second relocations, bigger stores, um, and the whole idea was that we were going to have a higher volume uh, at lower rental facilities so that we could um, reduce those two expenses. And it worked. I mean, the average pharmacy makes about 35% gross margin, and we dropped our prices by 25% across the board. So it didn't leave a lot of margin. So we had to buy better, we had to have a better supply chain, we have to have a higher average turnover. So the average pharmacy today, even today, that's about one and a half million dollars turnover, and we were doing about ten million dollars then. So the per, num per pharmacy. Per pharmacy. Wow. We've got stores that do thirty-five to forty million dollars. Just to understand that, because you're saying you had thirty-five stores, were they my chemist stores? My chemist stores. Yeah. Okay. Which was a run-of-the-mill. Excuse me. It was. Me, it it a, was a, a step above the other stores we felt. Like an it was like an Amcal. It was like an Amcal, right? but we had um, probably more front-of-shop products. Okay. Uh, we had. Um, but it was it was products priced at a point. It was, was not it, a lot of discounting. No, it wasn't a lot of discounting. We we, we had um, a pseudo discount. We had we had deals and we had promotions. We had a, a loyalty club where we gave yep. money back. So did you almost create a gap in the market? With my chemist, you've kind of all of a sudden gone, well, there is an opportunity to create literally a chemist warehouse. And is that how the idea formed? Well, the idea came that if we could have a pharmacy that was doing 10 to $15 million turnover um, and the efficiencies would be greater, we could offer a 25% discount on every product we sell and still make margin. So that's what we, you know, but it was a big risk because if we didn't achieve the numbers and we gave away the discount, um, we go broke. You go broke there store. and you're cannibalising My Chemist, aren't you? Well, um, surprisingly, it didn't really cannibalise you know, My Chemist and, and, and we, we drew from a bigger catchment area. My Chemist was really a community store that people would, would go, you know, we, we'd, have, we'd have three or four in, in a suburb. Uh, Mooney Ponds, we had three My Chemist stores. But now with Chemist Warehouse, we tend to have a larger catchment. We have fewer, um, fewer stores in, uh, in an area. I imagine you would have got a fair bit of flack from, from various quarters. Because I imagine, I mean, every business, I mean, a lot of business owners 
are scared of uh, thinking out of the box and taking risks well, we, because we, someone might say something. The average pharmacist hates us because we have affected the whole margin structure in pharmacy. They're all trying to compete with us. I mean, if they compete with us 100%, if they match our prices, they go broke. Because they can't, because they're on 35% margin. If they match our prices, they won't even cover their rent. Mm -hmm. So they pretend or they just provide better service or try to do, you know, I mean, so we're not really liked in the industry. Tell me, you, you mentioned um, service. You mentioned, you know, the model of my chemist or the Amcal chemist is offering great service. Um, I note as a consumer that when I go to JB Hi-Fi, right. I don't think the service is that great. When I go to a chemist warehouse, I actually think the service at chemist warehouse has improved in the last couple of years. I don't know whether I'm just noticing that. But is your, do you have a service policy of just get them in and get them out? Or is there actually some science behind what you say to your staff? No, we do a lot of training. I, I, Chris was saying about the training. Training's very important. It is. We, we do a lot of training. And I think it's... Uh, it's the culture of the, of the organisation. I mean, um, everyone uh, that works in, in chemist warehouse, all the owners, have all gone through a program where they were a student, became a trainee, and then they became a manager, and then became a partner. So uh, we have uh, 140 partners, and uh, those partners run individual stores. And um, there's that culture of ownership, you know, in those stores. When you say a partner, is that a fin do they have financial equity? They have in financial the equity, yeah. Okay. So we have about 140 people that have a financial equity and they work individual stores. They might work two or three stores. And that's one of the reasons, because the partner's there, like the owner's there, and um, they've been through the whole of the, um, the program, starting as a student trainee uh, and then become a, a pharmacist manager and then a partner. And so the culture's very, you know, very strong. Customer service, you know, focus on the customer and um, provide all the support. Mm -hmm. Warren Buffett just sold down $900 million worth of Walmart uh, shares that he's yep. been holding on to, citing a nervousness with retail. What, what do you think? I'll get you to get your crystal ball out now. I mean, you, a threat to you must be the internet. Well, it is. I mean, we're, we're, we're the biggest pharmacy on, on the internet. We do about $200 million a year on that, which is still a very small percentage of our, of our business. Um, the internet um, certainly is a threat, and you know, and we're, we're concerned about uh, what's going to happen with Amazon coming into mm -hmm. the marketplace. But um, a lot of the products that we, that we sell, they want there's an immediacy thing, you know, and um, when they work in walk into our stores, there's a whole theatre in that. I mean, there's a lot of noise, mm -hmm. a lot of signage. It's a very busy environment, very crowded. And it's that sort of atmosphere, you know. There's no doubt what we, what we, what, what our offering is. Our offering is a lot of variety, a lot of product at very good prices, and we provide good service as well. Do you have people in a back room, sort of planning what to do about that threat? Um, to be honest, no, we haven't really no. taken a lot yeah. of. Yeah, we, you know, we, we focus on on our own issues rather than looking around. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't really take a lot of notice of what everyone else does. We run our own our own game. Let's talk inspiration. You're a successful businessman yourself. Where, where do you, where have you sought inspiration in the past from anyone or anything? Well, I think you know, like uh, Chris was saying, he doesn't like to copy things. We, you know, we, I think that um, the, the plagiarism saves a lot of time. So we we see things all over the world, and we uh, and we 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 adapt them. Um, you know, I mean, you get an idea. You go to a trade show, electronic trade show, and you might see something that works for you. That you know, I mean, you. 
you, every, you know, I, I get excited about seeing something at a trade show, something different, um, and we try to adapt it. And, and what is there a process of adaption? I'm always interested in where, you know, you see an idea, getting it into the marketplace, getting it into your business. Is that an easy thing or is that... Like well, I mean, now that, I mean, with, you know, 450 stores and, you know, mm. and, the, and the sort of scale we're at, it's a lot harder to, to bring things in because, you've, you know, you've got to follow a process and mm -hmm. it's, you know, because if you don't have a process, then it just becomes... I mean, all our stores are planogrammed. Uh, so, you know, if you want something... If you want to sell something through our stores, it has to have a place. You can't just say, I'll put it on the counter. There's no counter space. So it, it takes a lot more work and... Um, yeah, we have to make sure that it, you know, that that it, it is going to fit into the environment, and that it and, and that it's going to add value to the to our business and to the. There's an incredible consistency about Chemist Warehouse. We hope it? there it's is. Like it, yeah, it seems to be managed within an inch of its life almost. Well, not to, not to that extent. I mean, yeah, but we do. We you know, we have we have we have teams that go around and and uh, and do store inspections, and they get. Marked down for you know inconsistent signage and for mm -hmm. not following the process. I mean, one of the things one of the things that's important for in our in industry is to get support from the manufacturers. And to get support from the manufacturers, you have to have consistency. You have to have um, every store has to. If you say you're going to have a gondola end, we'll get like a hundred thousand dollars for a gondola end. We have to have that gondola end same way in every store. Yeah, right. Now, that doesn't work with Amcal because they're individual owners and there's no corporation that sort of runs it. There's no planogramming um, price line to some extent. But in our stores, they know that if they, if, if they do a deal with us, we'll buy 100,000 units, it'll be in every store, it'll have a facing, it'll have support, and it'll be on the television sets, it'll be in the window, it'll be on display. Hmm. And that's important. Consistency and, and, and is really, really important to be able to get the support of the manufacturers. I want to move on and talk about family. You started the Family Business Association of Australia, is that correct? That's what I did, yeah. And family's been an integral part in running my chemist and chemist warehouse? Well, my brother's involved, uh, my nephew's now involved, Evelyn's always been involved. Um, uh, my partner, Mario, his two brothers are involved and he's got half his family there. Does it make business easier or harder? Both. I mean, the thing about family, uh, family business, is that you can have um, loyalty. Loyalty is, you'd expect loyalty with the family and that's, what, that's a given. Um, then it's being able to get the person to work to the level that they're, that they're good at. I mean... Not everybody, you know, is as you know is as brilliant as you'd like, and not everyone has the skills. Um, and uh, I think the trick is to be able to balance, you know, the inconsistencies with the, with ability, with the benefits of having loyalty and honesty and integrity that you just you know is unquestionable if it's a family member. Is it easier or harder to have those conversations though? Because if it's if someone's not a family member in a business, you can kind of go, look, you know, things aren't working out. You know, you either need to pick your socks up or we're going to need to find someone else. Whereas with family, there's something more at stake, isn't there? Well, there's a, a, the other problem with family is that uh, sometimes people feel they'll never be able to, you know, achieve a position because the family member is always going to get the, the job. And that's a difficulty. I mean, like, you know, if you, Family Business Australia has a lot of courses and training about the balance between... Um, you know, between picking people to run the business based on ability and family. You know, there's, you know, there's advantages in both and you've got to have the right mix and balance. And not everyone is good at running 
a business. Um, just because your dad happened to be the entrepreneur that started the business doesn't mean that you're going to be any good. Mm. And often your father's going to have second guesses about you and, and, and thinks everything you do is useless and, and no good anyway. So it makes it very hard. And other people say that their, their kids can't do any bad and everything that the kids do, whether it's good or otherwise, is fantastic. Yeah. But everyone says that's not true. Not true, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't wrap for them. I'm going to open up to questions shortly, uh, but I'd love to know technology in chemist warehouse stores. What role does it play? It's very important. Uh, we... Um, We've, we control our own technology. We've written our own point of sale. We've uh, written uh, our own database to, to... Why would you do that? Surely there'd be off-the-shelf solutions. There was. There, there, well, it's actually... Depend I mean, when you're at the scale that we are, um, we just wrote our own, our own dispensing system. Uh, it was costing us half a million dollars a year in support for the dispensing system. We wrote our own. And the advantage is that we can control it. Um, if we want to do tweaks, if we want to do... Um, any changes, it's in-house and we can do it. Um, uh, I think it's really, really important for us that we're actually able to control it. So if we want to make changes, um, we just we, we make them um, and uh, it flows through to the stores. Mm. Um, we, have, uh, we, we have a very um, uh, robust network. Uh, we have two data, two, two data centres that have shadows of, of our IT system um, that are connected by fibre optic cable. We have a fibre optic cable to every store. We can control the computers in the store at head office. We have a team of about, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 technicians um, that, uh, that work on support, go out and set up, the, you know, we set up our own, to set up a store, <coughs> we, um, we can set up a store within 10 days. So if we have the bare walls, we can set up the shelving, the telephone system, uh, the computers, stock it, cameras hmm. um, within 10 days. How so many stores are you opening a year? About 40 a year. Wow. 40, and, and we, do, we, we do them in about each one in about 10 days. How exciting. There you go. Australian retail royalty. Jack Gantz. From little things, big things certainly grow, huh? What a remarkable story. Coming up, I share my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Jack. Plus, I'll share another low-cost marketing idea that involves a little marketing magic. Now, I get how busy you are. So busy that you haven't written a blog post or added new content to your website in how long? A month? 10 months? Maybe never. Well, you're not alone. In fact, you're in the majority of small business owners who would rather set fire to their own legs than sit down and write a 500-word blog post even though they know it'd be good for business. But guess what? We speak up to three times as fast as we type. And thanks to Dragon speech recognition software, you could be smashing out content in literally a third of the time. Dragon converts whatever you say into words on your screen. It's ridiculously accurate right from the get-go, and it learns what you sound like, getting better each time you use it. I actually used it to write this ad. In fact, actually, I spoke this ad. Dragon works on PCs and Macs, and right now you can access an exclusive 35% listener discount over at getdragon.com.au. So get Dragon now and write 
as fast as you think. And we're also made possible thanks to Dale Beaumont's 52 Ways live event. Now, instead of me telling you about it, and I have done that over the last few months and have attended it myself, loved it, here's a note I just received from listener Nerily. She says, hi, Timbo. Hey, Nerily. Long-time listener here. Well, I feel like it, although I'm still catching up. I listen at least to at least one or two of your podcast episodes a day while I'm in my studio. That's unreal. Some have background jibber-jabber on. Others have my show on, which could be regarded as background jibber-jabber. She goes on to say, I just want to say thanks for the info on Dale Beaumont's 52 Ways event. I went yesterday and came away hugely positive and pumped. I love that. Well done for taking action, uh, narrowly. Many don't. Many would have heard me speak about it, not gone. But that said, I know many of you have gone to great benefit. She goes on to say, it's been a really hard few months. I'm sorry to hear that. But now I'm getting back on track. I just wanted to say thanks. You're a legend, narrowly. So here's the thing, guys. We've got to get out of our businesses. We've got to get out and smell the roses, look around, go to events, expand our mind, meet other business owners, um, you know, experience what they're going through, hear their challenges, hear about their wins. And an event like 52 Ways allows you to do that. It's eight hours of learning, and it is like it is. Dale says she has 52 ways to grow your business in eight hours. I mean, it's brilliant. If nothing else, just watch him present. He's a machine. You can learn a lot from that. Anyway, uh, 2018 dates have been announced and free tickets are available over at 52ways.biz. And I would highly encourage you to get a group of fellow business owners and marketers together and head off for the day and have a ball. 52 ways, 52 ways. Right, oh, my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Chemist Warehouse's Jack Gantz. Thanks to 52ways.biz and Dragon Speech Recognition Software. Attention grabber number one the advertising contra deal that Jack struck with an advertising agency in order to promote Le Specs was genius. You know, without it, he and his brother couldn't have built that brand to the iconic status that it became. So I guess it asks the question, what mutually beneficial contra deals could you be striking? Attention grabber number two, the importance of systems. Becoming a bit of an old chestnut on this show, we've covered it a few times on previous episodes, uh, but it can't be overlooked. Jack's opening 40 stores a year, each one taking only 10 days to set up, You can't do that without impeccable systems. So get all the systems in place in your business. Uh, A bit of hard work up front, a bit of grunt work, but boy, oh boy, will it make your life a whole lot easier. And attention grabber number three, the haters gonna hate. (laughs) Thanks uh, to Taylor Swift for that line. Although we only briefly touched on it during the interview, I'm guessing Jack and his team endured quite a lot of criticism as they established Australia's largest chain of discount chemists chemists. Whilst I'm the first to support small business, like don't get me wrong, I hate seeing the little guy get buried by the big guys. I'm also a big supporter 
of seeing small businesses grow big into the empire they deserve to be. Does that ring a bell? Hard to get that balance, but uh, it looks like Jack is continues to manage the haters and do it with aplomb. Hey, what grabbed your attention? Small business, bigmarketing.com forward slash 381 is where you can leave me your thoughts. What have you got to lose? It's time for one simple yet effective marketing idea that you can implement pretty much immediately. One that's not going to cost you a fortune, if anything, and that might just generate you more awareness, more inquiry, ultimately more sales. I call today's idea the find time for a little marketing magic hack. If you're like most small business owners, you're probably sitting on a marketing idea or two that you just can't find the courage or time to activate. It might be an idea you've heard on the Small Business Big Marketing Show. Love that show. Or you've seen some other business owner try. You've then squirreled it away into a fancy leather-bound journal or whacked it into your Evernote app for that one day when your decks will be clear and you can give it all you've got. Well, guess what? Time's up. No more squirreling. No more cogitating. No more procrastinating. The time has come for action. So here's my three steps to creating a little marketing magic. Step one, pick one marketing idea you've been sitting on that you'd love to try. Step two, find 75 minutes in the next 48 hours to focus entirely on this idea. Not three hours in the next month or eight hours in the next year, 75 minutes in the next 48 hours. Step three, when your scheduled time arrives, tell those around you that you're not to be disturbed and imagine Facebook was never invented in case you're inclined to go and, you know, check on the old timeline. Then do whatever it takes to bring this idea to life. Make calls, brief designers, write copy, ask questions of others, pick brains, whatever it takes. And here's the pro tip. Know that this may not be the big idea that will grow your business exponentially. But also know that in taking action, you're a whole lot further ahead than you were 75 minutes ago. That's my three steps to possibly creating a little marketing magic for your business. Remember, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 381, where you'll find some additional resources to bring this idea to life, including a really good blog post on 11 ways to overcome procrastination. Plus, a link to my very own marketing book, The Boomerang Effect, which, by the way, I procrastinated over (laughs) for way too long. So, what have you got to lose? That almost wraps up another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, but there's plenty of marketing gold coming your way in the weeks ahead, including a chat with Australia's most successful restaurateur, and I'll be doing an episode on how I drive traffic to each individual episode of this show, a bit of off-page search engine optimization stuff. Hey, have you listened to the chat I had with 71-year-old Peter Hitchener? Australia's number one TV newsreader, who's also very big on Snapchat.
wasn't even thought about as a strategy. I just thought, oh, this is a great app. How does it work? And so it was because of the app and because of the... And, and really, you have no idea actually how old the people are who are, who are also on the app, mm -hmm. uh, except that it clearly does skew younger. But, um, you know, why not? And, and you get a response from... From uh, I mean, it's it's amazing the, the the response to a picture or to a you know to a snap is is in the thousands within minutes. If you're struggling with what to say and do with your business's social media, then that is an episode you really need to listen to. You'll find that full interview with Hitch plus hundreds more over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Or you can subscribe free on your favourite podcast catcher, which I would love you to do. Then you'll never miss another episode. If you're serious about growing your business through smart marketing, then be sure to grab a personalised copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. You can email me, tim at timreid, reid.com.au. Tell me your thoughts. Say hi. Hit me up on Twitter at Timbo Reid. You can join the Small Business Big Marketing Facebook page. Uh, hey, don't forget to check out Dragon's speech recognition software. It's a brilliant way to get those long overdue blog posts written uh, or anything else you really need to write as well. Visit getdragon.com.au for a 35% off exclusive listener offer. And be sure to grab your free seat at Dale Beaumont's 52 Ways Live event. New dates have just been released for 2018, so no excuses, no excuses. I'll see you at one of them. Head over to 52ways.biz. If you love the Small Business Big Marketing Show, then please let another business owner or five know about it. Grab their phone, download the app, you know, the podcast app, subscribe, love your work. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reid. Thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.